You're listening to SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP, presented by SuperOps.ai, where we ask experts, analysts, and business owners what MSPs need to do now to recession proof their MSP and keep their foot on the growth pedal. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of SuperPod. I'm Radhika Nair, your host and SuperOps.ai's in house storyteller. Joining us today is Pete Matheson. Pete started Tekkers IT Solution in 2011 at the tail end of the previous recession. He grew the business to over 16 staff and over 1.2 million in uh, revenue, that's pounds. He successfully sold the business in 2020 and is using the lessons he learned from building, scaling and selling his business to coach other MSPs. He's also a popular YouTuber and mobile and tech reviewer. And he's going to talk to us today about the challenges that prevent smaller MSPs from achieving growth. Welcome, Pete. So glad to have you here. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me here. And um, yeah, really excited to be part of this. Great. And I think, uh, you know, your your experience of building your MSP at the fag end of the previous recession, that will be very relevant for this conversation, considering, you know, we are Everyone's talking about the recession that uh, is, some are saying it's coming, some are saying we're in the midst of it. I think the jury is still out on that, but we are seeing the eff- effects of the recession already, right? There's a lot of layoffs happening in the wider uh, you know, industry, um, not really in the MSP space. MSP space, all of us believe is recession proof to a large extent, but we do see the pain that's happening around us. So I wanted to uh, you know, start off this conversation asking you this question. You know, when you look at what we are going through right now and what you saw in, uh, say, 2011, do you see any parallels? Do you see anything that, uh, you know, that's similar? Uh, There's certain similarities. Um, Of course, I think this time around, it feels also completely different because of the, it's been a very, very long time coming with COVID and all the after effects and everything of those. Um, But I, I do see some similarities. And I think in the MSP world, things have, you know, hugely evolved just in technology in general since the last kind of recession. Um, certainly when I started my MSP, the the thought behind it was, well, hey, an MSP is recession-proof because we're either supplying new equipment or we're just, you know, refurbing and keeping the old equipment running. So there's kind of the, the two sides of the business and depending on how well people are doing, will be, you know, which side of the business kind of wins and does well. But certainly nowadays, things shifting to the clouds, there's a lot more remote working. So it's kind of completely changed this conversation, but it's still fairly similar to what we had before like people still need the help um they're just gonna be really really pushed to you know budgets will be really really constrained uh, and as we're starting to see now you're certainly in the probably the larger more the larger msps um doing some quite significant significant layoffs um which is starting to impact you know certainly like like i said the larger msps yet to see any real significant impact on the smaller msps and i think this is really the kind of opportunity and really what drove me to start my business at the beginning of um, or the end of the last recession was being able to start a business or being a small kind of nimble growing MSP in this space, you can adapt, you can kind of flex where you need to be um, to to work with your clients. So you're in a much better position really as one of these, you know, the majority of MSPs that, you know, under kind of sub, sub 1 million, you, you've got a much better position to be able to grow, to be able to adapt and find really, really what your clients need. Um, of course, with all the same challenges of trying to, you know, budget and come in as affordable and be able to pay your staff and grow your own business and marketing and all those other things as well. But um, yeah, all, all, always challenges that uh, aren't, aren't going to go away. Right. And and that's that's uh, one of the uh, constants, right? Whether it's recession or not, challenges will be there. Recession just adds a fresh set of challenges. 
but it's um but it's interesting when you're saying about you know smaller msps not being as affected some of the larger msps may be seeing some layoffs right now and coming to the smaller msps part right and this is something that i keep hearing in my conversations that uh, quite a few msps um they see this plateauing of growth right at various stages so it could be at the 250k mark or it could be at the 500k mark or at the 1 million k mark 1 million mark where and beyond that there are very few msps that grow beyond that right a vast majority of msps are small msps but i wanted to understand that from you why why what are the reasons that you see for this plateauing of growth at a when when msps reach a certain stage i mean that, that there's so so many different reasons for it and I've been through a few of them myself as we were growing our MSP. Um, I think we certainly saw a few years where our revenue kind of stuck at the same each year. And then maybe the year after it then took a leg up. And I feel like you're always playing catch up with an MSP. Um, certainly when you look at your like finances and your accounts, you know, all the profit you're making, you then funnel it back into the business to then grow the business. So it looks like you've had a fairly unprofitable year, but then you're funneling back in to then grow the business. And then mm -hmm. you'll have maybe a profitable year the year after unless you then funnel the, the profits back into the business again. And so it's kind of like, it feels like you're trying to run and grow this business on a fairly, fairly strict budget because it does seem to just go straight back into the business. Um, but also, you know, most you know, majority of small MSPs, uh, the technical business owners, they're kind of being an engineer and they've kind of fallen into starting their own business and they realize they know nothing, much like I did, know nothing about marketing, sales, finances, accounts, account management, how much margin do you put on things? You just don't know any of these questions. All I knew when I left, and I really wish I paid more attention when I left my MSP, um, all we knew was, how do we fix things? Okay, I'm very, very technically capable. I can go and fix all sorts of the issues. But actually, getting to the point before and then after that, I know absolutely nothing about. And that's the bit that you kind of have to teach yourself and learn. But through growing through, you know, going through that early stage of being a technical person, most businesses just grow through recommendations and referrals because... You know, you're good at what you do. You're a great engineer. So or you do a good job and then others then recommend you. That's the, the predominant way that most MSPs grow is through kind of yeah, re recommendations and referrals. But it gets to a stage. And for us, it was oh, probably about maybe 250 to, to 400K uh, revenue or so where we were just sat there going, you know, this is great. And we are growing, you know, slowly and carefully. And it's, you know, it's, it's really, really good to, to do it this way. But what if we can just do marketing? Like what if we could just you know, fix that part of our business and suddenly we can, you know, get more sales and marketing inquiries and, you know, more prospects and we can just grow the business um, still organically, but, you know, at a faster pace. And that's the bit that then kind of set me off on this journey, I guess, of trying different things. And as most MSP owners go through, let's try some Google AdWords. Let's try yeah. some Bing ads. Let's go through and try some events and do some networking. And you end up trying a lot of different things. And really it's just trying to find the ones that resonate with you and work well for you. Um, I just find a lot of um, going back to kind of the the kind of growth, kind of getting a bit stale and just kind of staying where it is. Lots of people get comfortable doing what they're doing. So for one example is networking. And for me, that was going to like BNI networking meetings. Mm. I, was doing, I did BNI for two or three years, I think it was, turning up every week, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning or whatever it was, um, paying my 10 or 20 pounds for breakfast at BNI, being in the same room with the same people. And really, I should have just left that a lot sooner than what I did. But the, 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 the biggest thing I think for MSP owners is one prospect for us could be worth a thousand a month or a few thousand a month. 
So it means we hold on to things far longer than we should because mm. with BNI's example, you know, I'm paying £10 a week for breakfast. But if I get one client, it's going to oh. pay for all of that and pay for the whole year and pay for everything else. And so you end up holding on. And for me, again, holding on for two years before I really got to the end and went, you know, what have we actually achieved with this? I think we got a couple of clients out of it, a couple of very small clients out of it, um, which subsequently I think one sold and one went bust in the end. They weren't really kind of sizable clients for me. And so it's just knowing when you should stop and then reassess and then try something new. The difficult thing is, you know, for me at least, I would be think, sat there thinking, well, BNI doesn't work. But that just is my opinion. And in the BNI group I was in, and that's not okay. really a reflection on BNI as a general um, right. kind of networking event. So others do very well with BNI, just happens to be there in better groups, maybe in better areas, or maybe they're just better at networking. And I'm actually, uh. you know, self-confessed like i'm very much a self-confessed workaholic but i'm very much an introvert um mm. which is weird because a lot of people obviously see me on youtube and i do a lot of video marketing um i hate being in a room of people and like even still making videos if someone else is in the room i just feel so awkward it's, it's a horrible <laughs> experience for me um but knowing that about myself that i didn't like networking then i can start focusing on other things and trying other things and uh, my business partner for example craig who worked with me we would go to the same networking event and I would walk out, had a few good conversations, you know, spoken to people, great, great event. Craig would walk out with like five or six quotes in his hand and like he'd go away and like quote and you know, do his thing. And I'm just like, how do you manage to do that? And he's just good at networking. He's he's great with people. Mm. And um, so it's just knowing your strengths. And really the main thing for me, I think, is knowing when to call it quits and just to keep trying other things. Um, if you keep trying other things, then you're eventually going to find the thing that's going to get you out of that kind of, you know, lull and hopefully give you the growth that you, you you need right and one of the interesting points we made earlier in this uh, answer was that um, you know the budget constraint of it right the um the having those resources and that's that's the challenge that a lot of uh, smaller msps face especially in the early days once they cross a certain stage like once they're closer to that one million mark the money part of it becomes less of a worry maybe it's still a challenge but in the early days how 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 uh, you know how do they potentially solve a situation like that you know when 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 they are in a way uh, surviving paycheck to paycheck almost you know the money comes in yeah. and then they have to pay their tax and uh, vendors I mean, and all of that. fundamentally it's one of those things certainly in my in my early days the solution is do it yourself and work longer hours and i know that's not a you know a good recommendation work harder and faster and you know do better um, but it's one of those things that as you are very much in the you know very early stages, that's all you really, you know, you don't have money to invest. All you have really is time. Um, mm. The question there is, what do you invest your time in and how can you make best use of it? And for me, that was looking at things, um, you know, we weren't quite in the AI stage when when I was starting. But, you know, now AI would be um, probably trying to leverage it as much as I could do without it being AI. Uh, you know, it doesn't look like AI. But things, Automation, things yes. Me, Yes. Uh, but for me, that was things like um, you know, social media. Uh, there's so many um, platforms out there where you can just automate your social media. Um, there are services out there like you know, the Tech Tribes, the Paul Greens, the kind of services that just give you the social media posts and the content and the blog posts and the articles. So they give you the content. It's just a case of you now scheduling it with your tools. Um, one of the, and I still recommend it say one of the best tools I've come across has been Meet Edgar. And it's uh -huh. this social media scheduling tool, you know, as an MSP, uh, cost you $40 a month, $50 a month or so. And you load it full of information and you can schedule it all out, all out throughout your week. But if you then have a busy week 
or you're off on holiday for a week or you know something happens and you just you just basically don't get that week to do marketing then it will just go back into the archive and pull stuff out and it will continue posting onto your social media feeds and actually if you scroll way way back to when i first started my business and you look at say our facebook page that we had it was the same like five or six images that we were sharing time and time again every single week and i'm sure people must have seen and i certainly noticed um, but as you grow and as you spend a bit more time, you're feeding more information. So those five or six images then became, you know, as every six months that that same set of images would come up. Um, mm-hmm. And there's no real um, issues with resharing the same content, as long as it's still applicable, as long as it's not a, uh, you know, a current trending news or something that's old news in six months time. Um, I see it a lot with my videos. I will post the same video. Again, it's completely automated in six months time and i'll have a different completely different audience comment on it and they'll be you know, thank you so much this is a great video i'm like oh i didn't even know i posted the video and let alone that i shot it six months ago it's just <laughs> this kind of system where you do the thing once and it doesn't have to be video it can be your blog posts and your social media posts and other things but if you can load it into this system and then forget about it and it just kind of takes care of you know your online social media presence at least so it's just trying to leverage those kind of like automated platforms to minimize the amount of active work you do, whereas it still kind of carries on in the background and, you know, still makes you active and still posts out and still does various other things for you in terms of your marketing as well. Right. And uh, the other point that you made about um, the the business side of things, right? A lot of MSPs, like you mentioned, are... Uh, you know, they have a in- engineering or a technician uh, technical background and then they start their own MSP or they worked in an MSP or an IT department earlier and then they start up. Um, but on the marketing and sales side of things, they are not very uh, well versed. And and a lot of MSPs do realize this, right, over a period of time. But, uh, you know, based on your, your experience, apart from, you know, the uh, trial and error method, what were the other uh, ways in which you ensure that you built up those skill sets like did you opt for outsourcing also for instance like you mentioned Paul Green who was a guest earlier on this podcast as well there are experts like that out there but you also need to develop those skills as well right so how did you go about doing that? There's a few different routes to kind of developing your own skills and I guess just improving and skilling up on marketing Um, I think for me one thing is just having the um, just willingness to learn and for me, that was things like I would, there's a, a service here in the UK called Entrepreneur's Circle, which is basically a marketing um, kind of you know, membership organization and community you join. And they just funneled all sorts of marketing stuff. And it, was, it wasn't just applicable to MSPs. It was just business in general. So just kind of going through those stages, learning what's coming coming out and trying all the new things. I think when Facebook released the, um, what, the chatbots, so you could message a business and it would automatically respond with the, all the prompts. Yeah, that did work very well for us, but we still went through the processes. We still tried it, you know, found out how it worked. And so we kind of educated ourselves through those kind of things. Um, you've obviously got all the services like the Paul Greens and the, the Tech Tribes and those kind of places as well. Um, and I think those services are great when you you don't have the time and you know just need to be, a, be able to put the information out there. But I always believe that the, and the best content you can put out there is your own content. You know, of course it is because you've put your own stamp of approval on it. It's really personalized to you and your business and the way you do things as well. So really just taking that time. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time if you're using those tools, but taking that time to feed the information into the the tools that you need. So that was kind of, yeah, looking for education elsewhere. YouTube is a fantastic source of educating yourself as well. 
Um, there are all the yeah the Paul Greens, the Richard Tubbs, you know all the people on the kind of YouTube and podcasts and those kind of things to listen to as well. Um, but and also the from like a, a potentially if they wanted to watch my face for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's there's also like from going back to like the finances side of things, and this is really where I think a few things started to click for me. Is we were we were never bad at managing money, but we were you know we didn't know how to manage money, so we had a bank account. All the money went into the bank account. And then at some stages throughout the month and the year, people would take money out of the bank account, like our corporation tax returns, the VAT, you know, obviously all our expenses that came out. And so as at any point throughout the year, you couldn't really know how much money you actually had to spend because you're like, well, I think I've got tax coming out in a few months time and we've got a few expenses coming up and oh, we're about to hire a member of staff. So that's going to take and you just never really know. And so we implemented this system called Profit First, uh, which is a book by Mike McAllowitz. And essentially, you start separating your money out. So you know, say you took in, I don't know, 50 grand a month in terms of revenue into your business. You then split that up by percentages into all of these smaller accounts. And one of those accounts would be a marketing account. And if you can just start putting away 1% of what you're bringing in each month, then you're starting to build up. Basically, that's, that's your marketing budget now. Now you have a marketing budget. And now you can look at what to spend that on each and every single month. So for me, that was things like, you know, well, now we've got money to let's play with some Google AdWords. Maybe let's start having a look at some direct mail marketing and just, you know, trying bits here and there of all the various different marketing things that are out there, but by budgeting for it. And it works, you know, well in other areas of your business as well for being a you know, profit for one business owners. So many business owners I know out there start their business and either don't pay themselves or you know certainly don't take any profit. And we were very similar before that. We just kind of got to the end of our year and again, went, well, I think we can probably take about that much out of the business. You know, you look at where's the lowest point that your bank account ever drops to and you go, okay, well, the lowest it's ever got to is like 20 grand. So maybe we can take 20 grand out, maybe, but maybe we should just take five or 10 just to be safe. But you don't really uh. know. But as soon as you can allocate that 1% a month and maybe in you know future months, you increase that percentage to be higher on various accounts. Well, now you can start taking extra profit. You can start allocating more towards your marketing budget. Um, we had marketing, we, we had budgets allocated for um, office equipment. And I remember one very, very clearly where we'd we'd moved offices already. We basically, we, we had a great year. We had a, a wad of money just sat in that account. It was like four or 5,000 pounds sat in the account. I had no clue what to spend it on. And most of the time it would have just sat in the account and just disappeared and you know, been spent on random things. And I just turned around to everyone. I was like, look, we've got like four or five grand in the account. What do you guys want? What, what can we buy that will make like your life better? Like we can buy nicer desks, like you know, better, better laptops, whatever it's going to be. And everyone's like, oh, I quite like the ultra wide monitor you've got. We just bought everyone ultra wide, you know, like 34 inch ultra wide screens at the time, which not many people were using kind of those kind of screens. Yeah. And everyone was super happy. And then like the only, the only downside to that is they all got the screens are like, oh, Pete, I quite like the desk that you've got now. And we're like, we've just spent <laughs> the money. Wait, wait until the next time around. Um, but yes, by allocating those small budgets, just by having a budget, because most people don't have a marketing budget, but by mm. putting that 1% away of what your rev your revenue is, now you have a budget and now you've got something to spend. And that's what you can use for spending on the marketing memberships, the Paul Greens, the you know the Tech Tribe memberships, the AdWords and all sorts of other things. That That's the budget you can stick to. Right. And um, you also mentioned earlier about um, knowing when to quit when it in that example that you mentioned it was about you know uh, trying a particular channel to attract clients 
but what are the other mistakes that again you know to uh, each msp is different but in general what are the other mistakes that you see smaller msps make which could be becoming roadblocks to growth i i think the one of the biggest ones for me uh, because as you're running your msp and certainly now with linkedin and you know all the social media presence of everybody you're you're very aware on what everyone else is doing um yeah, it's, it's very very um sometimes quite depressing when you open up a LinkedIn and there's people shouting about their successes and oh, we've won some awards and we've just closed our biggest deal and you see all those kind of things. Um, but behind all that, you still kind of see what they're doing for their marketing. You know, you see if they're running their ad campaigns or maybe they're doing something different, slightly different to their marketing. And it's just really for, for me, it's very easy to copy those people. Mm-hmm. And all you're trying to do at that stage is follow those people and trying to replicate their success. And, you know, you're not, you're not really doing what you want to do so to speak you're just kind of getting dragged by the by the other kind of influencer type businesses that are out there and i think for me it's really if you want to try and kind of break free of you know the, the norm so to speak it's just trying different things that people aren't necessarily doing and i think you know i've said this plenty of times but i i still think not many people are taking advantage enough of modern like modern marketing and that's like social media marketing the video marketing the audio marketing you know, podcasts, they're fantastic as well. Just things like that, that will allow you to still stand out. And, and you know, some people are probably sat there going, oh, I feel like maybe I'm a bit late to the party for audio and video and those kind of things. You're not like people really aren't doing this kind of stuff. Um, mm. You probably see a lot of it because you're on LinkedIn and you're connected with the people that are doing it. But in your kind of local network in your you know local area, if you have a look at your competitors and see what they're up to, they're probably not doing that. And if they are doing it, they're probably not doing it as well as perhaps you could. And so for me, you know, that was, of course, the video marketing side of things. Nobody was really doing that. Um, certainly for me, you know, Tom Lawrence was probably the biggest inspiration, being a, you know, big, successful YouTuber, so to speak, um, who who also owned an MSP. And um, I, I kind of saw a lot of vloggers that were out there doing kind of, you know, typical YouTube type of things. And I, I found myself being like obsessively watching them every time they came out. And we still watch them now. Like we were um, uh, James Buckley, who is one of the the, the guys off of the Inbetweeners. I don't know if you've ever seen the Inbetweeners, but um, we watched their weekly or however often they posted their vlogs. And me and the wife, we were literally sat there yesterday watching them clean their garden. <laughs> it was just like they were sweeping up the leaves and they were like cleaning the, the, the barbecues and things. And I was like, what are we doing? We're literally sat here watching people clean things. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but but you do. And it's like, we watch those kind of things. And I thought, hey, if we can, can we bring that into like the business world somehow? Can I start doing the video in that kind of way, but for the business? Mm. And so that led us down the path of trying video. And I hated myself on video. I hated listening to myself. I hated the way I looked on camera. You know, all the kind of steps that we normally go through. Um, I don't do public speaking. I still don't really do public speaking, but I still really want to get better at it. But I think for me, it's just, I, I really like going outside of my comfort zones. Mm. I, I I enjoy it in a certain sense, even though I hate it whilst I'm doing it. Um, I think I like the success after I've achieved, you know, I've, I kind of come out the other end and gone, oh, I'm so glad I've done that. Mm. Um, and so for us, it wasn't a pleasant experience, but I said to myself, well, hey, if we need to do that to grow the business, then I'm definitely going to do that and try my best to grow the business. So just by others taking those opportunities to go and try things that other people aren't doing. Um, I said to this you 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 before about the the whole Kaseya Dato acquisition, if I'm allowed to allowed to say. Um, I know the MSP community um, had very, very 
um, yeah, black or white takes on the website that went up um, when you guys published the uh, whatever the website was called. I can't remember the, the name of it. Goodbye Datto. Yes. Goodbye Datto. Was it like goodbyedatto.com, I think, wasn't it? Or, or something yes. along those lines. Um, I thought that was fantastic because you stand out. And if you're going to upset people, well, they're probably never going to buy from you anyway. What you are going to do is you're going to really, really make a lot of other people laugh and know who you are and discover you. And those people are going to pay attention. And you know, like like I've just said, I've remembered that. And that was, what, a year, two years ago now, I think? I can't even remember how long. A year, yes. A I year still remember it. Yeah. And, it, and it's just those kind of things that it's, it's being a bit bold, pushing yourselves out of the, you know, like a whole company's comfort zone, potentially. And, um, you know, risky in certain senses. But, um, but yeah, it, it works. It undoubtedly works. And um, I think someone once said to me, if you're not upsetting somebody, then you're doing it wrong. And um, oh, I remember you. once when I, um, I think I upset the boss of the company I worked at before. And just by, it wasn't wasn't a great experience to go through at the time, but I was just like, well, hey, I must be doing something right if you know they're worried. And I had like letters telling me to stop what I was doing because I was doing things I shouldn't be when, in my opinion, I wasn't. But, well, I was really like, there must be I must be doing something right to scare them like because I'm not a competition for them at all so just going down that route and really really trying to push things I think is is quite a brave thing to do but um you can get it wrong my god you can get it wrong um but there's no way that you can't kind of fix a you know fix things if you do go and take, maybe take it a step too far so to speak um but yeah just be be bold be brave try things that people aren't doing because otherwise you're just going to get stuck with the rest of them that are just doing the same things over and over again um, and it gets a bit boring doing the same things that everyone else is doing as well. It's just, what do you do? Yeah, we do a bit of the Google AdWords. We do a bit of networking. It's just a bit the same saying. But if you're really you know, trying to push the boundaries and do something new, A, it's great fun for you because you get a ton of experience doing things people haven't done before. And B, maybe just just maybe it will actually have a like a really positive impact on your business. Right. Taking that risk, right? Like you mentioned, stepping out of that comfort zone. And and uh, yeah, and and uh, we've seen that personally how it has uh, worked really well for us as well. So yeah, I think uh, MSP should take that risk. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to um, you know understand, we did touch upon this very briefly uh, earlier, where you were talking about you know in the initial days, it's about pushing yourself, it's about you know that hustling, about putting that extra effort. But also at some point, the uh, you know you need to step out of the day-to-day -day operations and let your technicians, let your team take care of it so that you can work on the business and just not in it. And this is a theme that I keep hearing from a number of MSPs and experts about, you know, the need to work uh, on the business and not just in it. But it's also, you know, it's easier said than done, right? How did you face this as well, where you wanted to, you know, start looking at, say, for instance, like your video marketing that you spoke about, right? Talk, uh, you know, focus more about uh, growing the business focus more about uh, more on marketing and sales but how did you ensure that you could do that how did you ensure that you know you could step back from the operational side or the day-to-day -day operations a bit so that you could focus on these other things so for me it was I, I still felt really guilty about taking time off from my own business um, mm -hmm. you know not actively working in the business because you're like particularly when you've got staff as well you feel guilty because they're working really hard and you don't want to not work hard even though that you know in your right mind that marketing and working on the business is still just as much work as actually doing the the technical stuff um the thing that kind of did it for me was that i just came to this realization and again it was one of these uh, things that came out of one of the marketing groups i was in 
But if you, if I came to work just an hour earlier every day, and just you know before the phone lines opened and before staff were potentially even in, come to work one hour earlier every day, and I then do that every single day of the week, I've then spent an extra you know five hours on my business every single week. And if that's just an hour, maybe you can do that as an extra. You know, if you can extend that to ninety minutes every single day, then that's an that's a full working day mm. every single week that you're spending on on your business, marketing your business, trying to grow your business. And so the way that I try to um, tell myself that I've worked hard enough was to come in earlier and do the ninety minutes every morning. And so mm. that then meant that I earned my Friday afternoons off. So then I took the Friday afternoons off to you know spend time with my family and my wife and those kind of things. But I could only do that if I came in the hour early to make up the time, so to speak. So I had this really weird way of kind of, you know, really, really trying to, I still worked hard. And um, you know, even when there was, you know, holidays and trying to take holidays, I would always try and time it in amongst the you know, the school holidays or, you know, there, there are websites you can go to where you, you could do the whole like, get four weeks worth of holiday by just booking four days worth and you, you know trying to figure out all the best bank holidays and trying to trying to figure out how to basically get the most holiday by taking the least ho- amount of days off mm. i would still try and do that even when i ran the business and you shouldn't have to do that because it's your business at that, at that stage um but just by going through those stages by spending the extra time each morning um i completely rewrote our website using those hour slots in the morning every single morning I worked on marketing campaigns. I figured out the video marketing side of things as well. I sometimes shot videos in those hour slots. Um, for me, and like we literally moved offices to the bigger office we had where I had my own room where I was like, ah, this is great. Now I can shoot videos during the day when my staff were in. No, I couldn't because I knew that they were in the next room looking at me, listening to me. I just felt still really awkward that they were like there. And they obviously knew I was recording because I closed the door and closed the blinds and, and all these kind of things. Um, so for like the videos, for example, I would still come in on the weekends and just spend a couple of hours just, you know, shooting the videos. And then I would go and edit them in my own spare time. I'd be sat down in the evening, you know, a film would be on the TV or something. And I just spend three or four hours just editing each week's video. And it was a, obviously a learning process to go through. And there is a stage where you start then outsourcing that and delegating it to other people, but just the initial learning, spending the time trying those marketing things, getting yourself out of the business. I always find that if you can just reserve a window where you are not interrupted there's no phone calls there's no emails your phone switched off your you close your email client down you just have a list of things that you can focus on in that kind of hour or 90 minutes window that's the stuff that can really kind of push you forward um because again like if you're trying to if you're trying to grow the business and you're not dedicating time each and every single day to you know getting more clients or, or you know getting more value out of your existing clients or keeping existing clients then you're really probably not on a, you know, you're kind of fighting a losing battle at that stage. So yeah, dedicate the time, protect it with all your kind of might. Um, I think I even had like it blocked out in my calendar so that all the staff could see like, do not disturb when mm. I was in those kind of hourly slots and just give yourself as much time as you can to, yeah, absolutely work on the business and, and not in the business. Right. And, you know, I, what you mentioned, right, having that dedicated time set aside, but for that to happen, you need to be really confident that the business as usual is happening, right, on the other side of that wall. So how in a how, certain uh, sense, yeah. but but also not because if you can, depending on when the when the timing is, like sometimes I did those late in the evening because I'm very much a night owl and I do my better work at night. But again, I was doing it before the phone lines opened, so my hour slot was still kind of protected. You know, worst case, the phone lines would open and we'd you know they they'd ring as soon as like nine o'clock came around. But that hour was still protected. 
So I think it's just, and it, it is very difficult when you're a smaller, you know, smaller MSP and you don't have the staff. Um, as soon as you have staff, then you've got other people that can take the phone calls and can you know, keep your clients holding if you really, really desperately need to speak to you for whatever reason. But to begin with, it's very much is just trying to find time outside of the, the, the you know, the, the timescales when the clients can't interrupt you because that's the one of the worst things about running an MSP is you always kind of have to be available. Like there's SLAs in place, there's clients that yes. you know demanding clients. And you don't want to let clients down. When you're when you're a small MSP, every single customer you have, you would do you know you would do anything you could to keep them happy, to keep them as a good client, to you know grow your business. So you are going to drop things, and the first thing you're probably going to drop is anything related to you, your you know personal well-being, your <laughs> own protected family time, like all those kind of things just get cut short when a client calls in because you do you 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 don't want to lose them. And I think there are certainly ways around you know protecting that as well. But it's a very, very difficult thing to do when you're when you're first starting up. Right. And and that fear of uh, failure, right? The fear of losing your clients or even letting them down. That's that's also a big uh, factor. But I also want to understand, uh, you know, like you said, in the early days, it will be really tough. But once you reach a certain skill when you have, you know, a couple of technicians, maybe or a, even a little larger, what are the processes that you put in place or what do you suggest to MSPs? To ensure that you know the operations are run efficiently and like like you said you know you're not having to do the attending the phone calls or you know you're not worrying about all that what happens if you know there's an emergency so we went through this really really good exercise for us it came from um traction by gina wickman um mm -hmm. you know the whole kind of uh eos system and that was the the right bums on the right seats exercise but even before we got to that stage, it was actually drawing out the the the, fl the floor plan, basically, for the business as we saw it, what it would grow into. So here is kind of our, this is our, the goal that we want to reach. And so that was drawing in what teams would we have? How is the business kind of broken down? You know, would we have, like, we had pods of engineers. What would one of those pods consist of? It would be maybe a junior, maybe an apprentice, a senior, maybe there'll be an account manager per pod. And so you're really trying to plan out your business from a very high level. And then you start zooming back in with your current business as it is and go, okay, whose bums are on which seats right now? And sometimes bums are on the wrong seats. And that might mm -hmm. be a kind of a realization you have and you can kind of move people around. Um, one, one example of that is we we ran through the exercise and I took the, I drew it all on the whiteboard and I took the whiteboard into our meeting and I showed all our staff, like, this is the plan. This is what we're trying to do. You know, this is how we're going to try and grow the business. And here are these pods things that we're going to do. And I had one person's name in like its own separate pod because we'd filled that pod up with the number of engineers we wanted. So the name was over there. And um, with the plan being that as we grew, we took on more staff, then there would be that second pod that would be you know created. And that guy wasn't in the meeting at the time. Unfortunately, I think he was out on site visit or just couldn't make it that day. And so he came back in and then went into the meeting room for lunch or something and saw the whiteboard, you know, put on the corner, lent up against the wall. And then he came to me. and was like, hey, what, what, what are you doing to me? You, you're putting me on my own team. You're, you're going to separate me or like what, what's happening? And I was like, mate, oh, so I'm so sorry. Like, don't worry. Like, and I explained the whole thing to him as well. Um, and of course, he's absolutely fine at that stage. And like he understands like the vision and where we're going. But just by going through that exercise you now can start thinking about yourself, even if you're you're a small business, but think about yourself as a bigger business. And, you know, as you're growing, bigger businesses do need like management teams and they need some sort of, some sort of structure. And just knowing, you know, you've got maybe 
a team leader that can look after the service desk. You can build that team out. Well, now your focus can move away from the technical stuff because you've got someone taking care of that area of the business. And to begin with, my name was in like 10 different places on that board because it was you know, the 10 things I was doing, marketing, sales, senior engineering, uh, finance, accounts, like all those kind of things. And my business partner that was working with me, his name was in maybe three or four or five areas. And he's like, oh, Pete, you're doing an awful lot of things. Can we even this out somehow? So we then figured out, you know, what other roles can we share around so that it's actually more evenly split? And when you have the same thing with our engineers, you know, split down the engineering role, you've got maybe the the security team, the the NOC team, the actual help desk team, the field engineering team. And you realize that one person was doing maybe six of those roles, whereas another one might be only doing one or two. And so it's just trying to share the share the load around. Um, also helps you write job descriptions by by kind of doing that exercise. And then it means as you're then hiring for the next person, you know exactly which roles they're going to take away from the other people and exactly the kind of builds the job description for them as well. But it really just helps you build your build your team in a way that has a bit more structure, a bit more thought to it as well. And then as you are growing, now you can go, okay, now I can relieve myself, um, you know, relieve myself of that particular area of the maybe the technical stuff. And time over time, you can just start letting go of the various areas as you, you know, hire a bookkeeper and a salesperson and an account manager. And you can just basically put yourself in whatever position. And this is quite important, whatever position you want to be in. Because mm -hmm. some people I speak to, they want to stay doing the technical stuff. Absolutely fine. If that's the stuff you enjoy, then stay doing the te technical stuff. But find someone else to come in and run the business and do the sales and marketing. Mm. Others like doing the sales and marketing and they start hating this technical stuff. So yeah, get yourself out of that straight away and get someone into to go and do those things for you instead. So it's just trying to find what you're good at, what you enjoy. And then as you grow, yes, absolutely. And delegate the rest. Right, right. And, and um, you know, what, what also I wanted to understand was, um, you know, the operational efficiency side is uh, one part, right? I also wanted to understand um, you were talking about the uh, finance and all of these aspects that a lot of, uh, you know, the founder has to take care of it. The uh, business owner has to take care of it, right? So managing the finances is, again, something that a lot of uh, people don't really, uh, are not really good at. So again, was this something that you, you know, eventually outsourced? Because like you mentioned, budgeting, you know, these were things that you did have to think about. So what about those functions where, you know, it's not marketing, it's not sale, but all the, uh, the finance side of it. Yep. So uh, for me, certainly the story was I dragged my wife in to the business and she started helping us with like reconciliation and accounts and those kind of things up until the point where, so me and my business partner would do say the bill run. So we'd be sending the invoices out because at least we know, you know what they're being billed for. It allows us to manually check things over. We know we, we've sold that month. So we kind of did that part, but everything beyond that, the you know, the zero reconciliation, chasing for payment, sending statements, um, collecting direct debits, all those kind of things were dealt with by other people. And so, yeah, it started off as my wife just because it made much more financial sense. There's no point paying somebody else when my wife, you know, we just had a kid so she can come back into the business and we can kind of pay her for doing that, which then comes back to us, us personally. So that worked quite well. But then we went down the route of um, hiring a, I think it was a part-time uh, assistant. So we had actually a I think it was like a friend that we used to work with that came on board to help us with the bookkeeping, the accounts. And then further down the line, we then hired a, an accounts apprentice to kind of give us a hand with lots of those things as well. So there are ways that you can have you know, staff that's reasonably affordable. You know, apprenticeships, they're a fantastic resource out there. They get a ton of training um, that come alongside them as well. 
you can always have um, you know internships and work experience and um I think one one guy I was speaking to at the moment, he's talking to like T level students and they come in and work for him a few days a week. So there are ways that you can get people in with, you know, to to kind of skill up because they're not complicated things, a lot of this thing, it's just process. You know, certainly with things like reconciling things within your accounts package, it's the same transactions coming in and going out every single month. You just need someone to and you can automate, you know, automate them to a certain extent, but you can just get someone to come in and, and follow the process each time as well. So yeah, lots of the the, the journey for me was I, I had a a bit of a kind of self-interest in it anyway. I always felt that, you know, the only person that's going to really care about your money is you. Right? Mm. And that's why, you know, I believe the same thing with like financial advisors. And, you know, if you, I don't want to give my money away to somebody else so they can manage it for me because they don't care about it as much as I do. So I'm going to learn as much as I can, try and do the best I can and figure it out myself. And, um, you know, that's what brought me on to reading books like Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. And I probably got, if anything, more financial books on my bookshelf than I do any other kind of uh, books on there as well. Mm. Because I think just knowing what you can do, and I, and I still know nothing. I mean, there's there's people I speak to and they they blow my mind with their knowledge of accounts and how you can kind of move your money around to really help you out. And I think you know that that's almost something that is well worth knowing about because the more you know about managing your money, how best to use it, that does allow you flexibility to do things with your business that you wouldn't otherwise uh, be able to do or be able to afford perhaps. Right. No, that that's a very interesting point. And I also wanted to come to um, another point. I just wanted to understand when you were, uh, um, you were talking about automating the social media side of things, um, you know, and I was thinking about this. Uh, what about, uh, you know, using the technology tools, like when you're looking at, uh, and I've seen a lot of smaller MSPs, right? And a lot of people have this misconception that, you know, because it's a smaller MSP, because, you know, it's a few techs only, the operations are much simpler or that, you know, they are taking care of only basic stuff, which is not really the case. I've seen a lot of MSPs use automation, for instance, to ensure that they are really punching about their weight. So is there something uh, there that you would like to speak about, about, you know, how uh, technology can really help a lot of MSPs to ensure that? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So I think one one key thing for us as we, and it was probably on the, as we were starting to grow to like the 10 to 15 um, members of staff or so but i would i would be doing it way way sooner nowadays we actually mm. had a role that was i think we called them product and accounts manager was the actual role itself but the the whole role was basically to take ownership of all the the kind of products and you know SaaS tools we were using and just look for ways to make yourself more efficient you know what automations can we put in place speak to people find out what they're doing find out what's time consuming and try and see if there's a way of automating that i think that has a very very big um, part to play nowadays in MSPs of any sizes, you know, certainly from the smallest, because you can save an awful lot of time and, you know, even hold off hiring more people because you can just spend the time in automating the tasks in, instead. So I think just having the, 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 the foresight that actually just hiring more people may, might not be the way to go and actually looking at the available technology, look what's coming out. You know, there's tools like Zapier. Of course, there's all the AI tools that are coming out nowadays. I mean, from a, from a marketing perspective and they, People that are saying they're not very good at graphic design. My God, have you, the, the, the new Photoshop where you can just literally circle something and say, replace this with that. And it does yeah. it for you in a split second. Like you can use that to your advantage by creating some fantastic looking marketing pieces, which you can do in a second and then upload. And that's part of your you know social media scheduling side of things. But there are certainly like just, just really lean in and invest in all the latest things that are coming through. Um, which is a challenge because, you know, certainly with AI, it's almost a distraction because there's so much of it, but it's really just 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying like invest everything into it, but just be aware mm. of what's going on. Speak to people, find out how else they're using it. Speak to large businesses, small businesses, certainly within tech community, you know, all the podcasts you go, I'm sure there are a ton of podcasts that talk about AI a lot nowadays. Um, and also lots of um, you know, influencers and people that are kind of going through that and using those kind of things. So just just ask and see what's working well for them and see if that's something you can then you know, bring to your business and apply it as well. Yeah, and, and we have a lot of uh, things coming up as well. So that's something that we are really excited about. Uh, a lot of potential here. And like you mentioned about, you know, it is all about driving efficiency. It's all about making your work and life easier, right? And that's, that's finally, it's all a tool to make that happen. And that's what matters. I also wanted, uh, you know, what is the one advice that you would give to a smaller MSP right now that is looking at growth? What is the one thing that you would, tell them to focus on or invest in oh interesting um uh, my, my initial gut reaction is don't do it um but that's not really <laughs> good advice um i, I think where, where i'm com coming from there i think is that um like wherever you go like whenever all the all the it kind of trade shows and things you go to growth is such a big part of the focus because of course you want to grow like everyone wants to grow but you don't actually need to grow necessarily i think that's something that is very easy to get swept up into and, you know, if you're struggling, you don't have enough hours in the day and you're, you know, trying to push through with growth, you don't necessarily need to, like, for your own, like, self-sanity and, like, you know, mental health and those kind of things. Actually, for quite a lot of people, all you really need to do is just stay where you are and maintain where you are and maybe look at yourself right now and see, okay, we're in a great position, but how can we just improve where we currently are? Like, can we be more efficient? Can we do automation? Like, what can we do to make things take less time and give us more free time, you know, more free time, which most of us get into business for is to go and spend more time with your family at some stage and, you know, be able to buy the house you want and do the things you want to do. But fundamentally, just growth isn't for everybody. You, know, you don't have to grow. And I've certainly, you know, and again, kind of going through the finances side of things, we, we kind of got to this stage where we sat down and went, what do we actually want and need? Like when we're, when we're like retired, so to speak. We, lots of people are just growing their business to, you know, we want to get to 3 million, 5 million, 10 million, and then we're going to sell. Do you actually need to grow a business to 10 million and then sell and then have 50 million or whatever it's going to be in your bank and live off that? Like, probably not. Like for us, as long as we can spend time with our family, with our kids, we can live a good life. Like we don't need all the money. So, you know, certainly with what we're doing now, obviously I've been through the exit already, which has helped me with my business. Um, but just looking at the way we're running our business now with the coaching, the courses I do, the YouTube videos and all those kind of things, I'm just trying to focus and maintain where we are because we don't need the growth. Growth might come naturally, but actually what's a bit of a side effect of that is where I'm, sounds really cocky, but I'm really not that fussed about winning new clients and like growing and, and all those kind of things. And actually what happens that when I go and speak to people, when I you know coach people, when, when ever people ask for advice and those kind of things, I, I'm not desperate for work. And yeah, happily, I could probably take a few more clients, but I'm not out there going, I need more, I need more, I need more. I'm just focusing on, hey, I'm just here to have fun, meet people, chat, and just you know, learn more things. I'm just here to try and help where I can. But by taking that approach, that's also then apparently maybe more attractive to a lot of people to you know inquire with. And I've got waiting lists for various um, coaching and courses and those kind of things. So I think just by having that kind of an attitude with your MSP, with being not so focused on the growth and pushing for things, just you can't like protect your mental health enough. Um, yeah. And I, I ne 
thankfully I've never really struggled with mental health, but I've, you know, certainly been anxious and you know, have the same worries that lots of other people do about, you know, clients leaving and, you know, business is going to go bust overnight. And what if this happens and what if that happens, but protect yourself, like spend time with your family, spend time with your loved ones and just really just try and look at where you are now and think to yourself, what do you actually want to get out of this thing? And then once you've learned that, you can then plan back and go, okay, well, what what does the business need to get to for us to then have what we want and then work back? It's a real kind of weird way of doing things. Like I've always kind of started from the end result and then worked back. Actually, that doesn't sound that silly when I think about it now, but like I think a lot of people are just mindlessly growing for the sake of growing without really a plan. They'll they'll put some, you know, they'll pick a figure out of the air of like it on a grow to three, three million or five million. Why? Like explain to me, like figure out that five million once it turns up in your bank account what are you going to do with it like what's that going to result in you're going to invest it in certain things you're going to buy a property and a house like most people are just going for this completely unfathomable number that just doesn't mean anything so yeah just try and figure out where you want to go and um, stick to that plan as you go along yeah figuring out where you want to go i think that's that's in in, in a way that should be the first step like why are you doing what you're doing that's uh I think then that's uh, relevant for all of us. So uh, that's really wise words. Anything else, Pete, that we haven't covered? Anything that we haven't touched upon that you want to speak about? No, I don't think so. I, th I think fundamentally from, yeah, ap apart from my rant there about not growing, just if you want to grow, just be brave, be bold, and just just try things that people haven't tried before. Um, you know, I can't remember what the saying is now, but you're, you're never going to see um, changes if you carry on doing the same thing over and over again that doesn't work. So just... Try new things, be bold, and just see where life takes you. And have fun is the main thing. <laughs> Very important. What's what's the point of all this if we aren't having fun? Exactly right. That. Thank you so much, Pete. This was such a great conversation. Lovely to have you on this episode. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to um, yeah see who got got coming on next one as well. Thank you. Thank you.